It's a drink with a friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And I am Seth Haynes. All right, Seth Haynes, what are you drinking? Um, Essentia, overachieving H2O. <laughs> it's this like just like really highbrow water. Ah, like bottled water? I, yeah, every okay. time I look at it, I'm like, stuff falls from the sky. And you guys slap a fancy name on it and some Swedish symbol and say it's overachieving. And all of a sudden, it's a million dollars. One million dollars. <laughs> Um, just so that you know, and so that the listeners know, it is ionized hydration. Uh, it has a pH of 9.5 or higher. It's overachieving. So maybe it's higher than 9.5. And I think that's like 95%. That's like an A. That's an A plus. Good for it. I guess. I don't know. And it's purified. So it says, um, so yeah. You know what? I watched this youtubers travel video uh this past week when he and his family went to iceland and he said that you literally cannot buy bottled water in iceland like it doesn't exist and he and his family did the rv renting thing they would pull over and fill up their water bottles in a stream like like we did in the olden days that's what they still do in iceland because the water is that great and there's no point in selling it because it's not better than what you can get outside i thought that was cool this kind of sounds like the beginning of a of a Oregon Trail saga. You know, <laughs> your family pulls over in the RV and drinks water from the stream and gets Giardia. And I was going to say, dies. what do you die on an Oregon Trail? You die of a million different diseases. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of things. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they have that over there. But anyway, it, we're digressing. Big yeah, time. we are. <laughs> what are you drinking today? Um, mine is just as exciting. It is water, but with bubbles in it. So I'm drinking sparkling water with coconut. H-E-B brand, as always. Oh, that sounds you know? amazing. Sparkling water with coconut. You know, I, I find that coconut is really a polarizing flavor. It is, but I like it. I'm I'm pro-coconut. Yeah, I'm pro-coconut too. People either love it or they hate it though. And I, I, I really like, um, there's another brand that I will not mention because I'm not drinking it, of sparkling water that I really like um, with coconut in it. But everyone that I know that drinks it says it tastes like it leaves a film on their mouth. Mm, okay. Well, one of the reasons I I like this one is because my son who drinks sparkling water does not like this one. So I, he leaves enough for me in the fridge. You know how like oh, the kids will, will drain the groceries you just yes. bought? He does that yes. with other flavors, but not this one. Yeah, yeah, not coconut. So tell Kyle that I said, way to be a good <laughs> man and not drink all your water. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> well, so um, for the listeners, for us too, um, we are in the midst of summer, I guess for our Northern Hemisphere listeners, I should say that. Um, we're in the midst of summer. We're in the midst of, for most of us, a school break for our kids. And so it's kind of vacation time. And you and I are about to take a short planned podcasting hiatus. And we'll be back closer to the start of the school year. But for these last two episodes before our break, we thought we would kind of talk about what's on our mind anyway. It's a two for talking about rest and play. So in this episode, we thought we'd start off with play. And I'm going to just lob the ball over to you, Seth. Tell me what your thoughts are about play as an adult in your adult life. I feel like, um, you know, like so often whenever you lob things into my court, I have to confess that I'm not super good at, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. whether it's rest or whether it's play or whether it's boundaries or whatever. I tend to be pretty hard charging and I wish that that weren't true. But I will say the older I get, the more I understand like how important this really is to my own rhythms of of health. 
And so there are some things that I probably consider play that others don't. Hmm. So like going to the gym, to me, that's play. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's fun for me. Uh, there's like, it's kind of gamified to an extent. Um, there's a communal aspect, you know, we're doing something that is, you know, seemingly frivolous. I mean, there are other ways to get exercise, right. Other than jumping on boxes and throwing big balls around. Um, and so I guess to an extent it's a type of play and I really, it, you know, it, it, it really, frees my mind um, a lot. You know, it just kind of takes the, the edge off of that thinking, thinking, thinking all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so uh, there's that. I also have been fishing a lot more lately, mostly because my oldest son is really, really gotten into fly fishing. He's terrifically good at it. And so we do a lot of fly fishing in st- streams and creeks and we'll go to the White River and fish for trout. And um, that's really taken up a lot of our uh, summer and and that kind of like just getting out and getting away and letting your mind wander and be free um it, it's a huge part of me not um uh, just feeling so confined and trapped mm-hmm. and working all the time yeah um so yeah so to me play is a huge a huge component of my life even though i'm not as intentional about it as i should be yeah what about you well one of the reasons I even wanted to talk about this today is because I admittedly suck at playing. I am far too grown up for my own good. And the reason is because I treat play like I we often treat Sabbath, which is it's something that should be earned. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yes. play is for when you get things done off your to-do list. And yes. so if you're not done with that to-do list, it's not time to play, which is ridiculous because we all know the adulting to-do list never ends. There's always something yeah, right. to do. Yep. And so my mind, I, I, I'm not doing it on purpose, but it's just, you know, there's always a kitchen counter that needs wiped. There's always an email to respond to. There's always yep. something that needs folding or an errand needing running or whatever. And so I just don't play like I should. And here's the thing. I know it when I need it because yeah. I become a curmudgeon or I'm, I am not very good at gratitude. You know, I don't stop and smell the roses, literally or metaphorically. And I'm probably not much fun to be around. And it is apropos for me that we're talking about this in July, because July for me traditionally is the month when I slow way down in my work. You know, I've been self-employed for 12, 13 years now. And so I'm the boss of my own schedule, which is has its pluses and minuses. And I learned in 20, let's see, 2019 is when I took my for real sabbatical when I like truly did not work for a month. Um, And I learned how much I needed that. And one of the reasons is both the rest, which we'll talk about next week, but the play aspect, like I just wasn't making time to play. And so every year since then, I've tried to incorporate this time of year, a little more play in my life. And I know our, our, you know, 10 year old selves or five year old selves would just be laughing at us incredulously. Like, what do you mean? Add more play to your life. Like, that's just, a natural thing we used to do as kids. Like we didn't have to work at playing. You just, right. that was your way of learning. That was your MO, you know, my MO. That's how we went through life. And so my adult self being the nerd I am has been thinking about like, what is play even? <laughs> like, yeah. Getting philosophical yeah. about it. What does it mean to play? You know, why is play for you going to the gym and someone else that would be a form of torture? Um, right. So I don't know. What do you think play is? Is that a weird question? 
No, I don't. I don't think it's a weird question. I think play for me at this point in my life is anything that, um, you, you know, that's done sheerly for the pleasure of doing it. You know, everything in my life sort of has some sort of, it feels like has some sort of very practical and really for the most part, you know, and part of this is because of the role that I function in my family, but for the most part, some monetary function, mm-hmm. right? I go to work to do something that is uh, monetary. I, um, I write and I love to write, but a large part of what I do in writing is, you know, to make money to feed my family. Um, you know, we, we, we do things that we love to do, whether it's, you know, podcasting or photography or whatever. I mean, there's, um, you know, all of us have different things that we do, um, that would feel almost like hobbies, but really it's all about what it's about, you know, somehow building, um, maybe a platform or building an income base or, or building whatever. And so for me, when I look at play, what I think about is, is what am I doing for the sheer joy of it that doesn't make me any money? Um, and that at the end of the day just brings me happiness and sort of lightens the load. I mean, I kind of think that's, that's how I think of his play. And, and again, like to go back to childhood, you know, what, how did we mark play as a childhood in childhood? It was a time where our parents weren't asking us to do chores. Um, we weren't cleaning the kitchen. We weren't feeding the dogs. We weren't making the beds or vacuuming the floors, you know, um, instead we were at the Lego box using our imaginations and building things for the sheer joy of just building things. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think that's what characterizes play is just that, that sheer imaginative joy. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm laughing right now because I'm, I'm looking up this, I guess it's a psychologist website, but they're defining play. Um, and this is such a psychological way of thinking of play. It says it's a complex set of behaviors characterized by fun and spontaneity. It can be sensory, neuromuscular, cognitive, or any combination of the three. It involves repetition of experience, exploration, experimentation, and imitation of one's surroundings. And so that is the sciencey way of saying what you just said. Um, it's, characterized by fun and spontaneity, but there's also some repetition. And it's, uh, to me, it's anything you're doing within this realm where the end is of itself. Like it's not a means to an end. It's not. And I think that's kind of what you were saying, you know, writing for the sake of feeding your family versus writing for the sheer joy of it, which is the end, you know, its own end. Um, Okay. We've talked about this before. I cannot remember. I think I actually sent this book to you guys, you and Amber, uh, Leisure, the basis of culture. Have you ever read it? I don't remember it, but yes, You're, it's Do, okay. <laughs> actually, show me the cover. Show me the cover. You did send that to us. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but I have not read it. No big deal. Um, read it at some point. It's going to blow your mind. This is a book that I want to read every couple of years. This is probably my favorite nonfiction book from 2020. Um, it's really heady. So this was written in the late 40s, and I had to read it really slowly because this is a German philosopher, but man, is he smart. This is a book that's talking about, it's leisure, leisure, the basis of culture. And so his point is this idea of what we do so that we don't have to do things anymore is the definition of of the world we want to create ultimately. Mm. And so I'm just going to read a few phrases here and there. There's no way this even really can, 
can describe this book, but it says leisure is only possible when a man is at one with himself, when he acquiesces in his own being, whereas the essence of acedia is a refusal to acquiesce in one's own being. And he's talking about how leisure is the opposite of acedia. So mm. acedia is the, um, the vice of kind of like sloth laziness, but it's not just not feeling like doing something. It's like not having the will for good in your life. So, so like not intentionally, not actively seeking out good. Um, And so he's saying that leisure is the opposite of that. So it's not just, I mean, in a way you work for leisure, but not in the traditional way we think of work where it has to be hard. It's something you're seeking out. So that's why going to the gym can actually be fun. It doesn't mean just like the easiest thing possible. Right. Um, and I thought that was really, it, he says it is in the first place, an attitude of mind, a condition of the soul. It means not being busy, but letting things happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he goes on and on. It's such a good book, but, um, so in my mind, when I think of play, really what I'm wanting is more leisure in my life. And I think we'll talk about leisure in the resting sense in the next episode. But in this sense, I'm thinking of leisure in the playful sense, like what truly actually brings my heart and soul to rest, even if it's physically exhausting or mentally exhausting, um, because it can be all those things, yet it's still play, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. And I, to me, I think when you say leisure, that actually clarifies things for me. You know, it's, it's hard for me to say what is play and what is not play. And I think part of that's just because as adults, we sort of remove that from our vocabulary, right? That's things that kids do. Mm-hmm. Kids do play. But when I think of leisure, um, that really opens up my imagination of play. I think about, you know, going for a walk with Amber, um, can be leisure. Um, it's a form of play. I mean, when we walk around the neighborhood, what we, we talk about ideas and dreams and goals and we laugh and we tell jokes and we, you know, we act like little kids a lot of times. And I think that's the very definition of what it means to sort of be at play in the world, which by the way, would be a great book title at play in the world. <laughs> riffing off your last oh, book you should write that book i like that actually that could be something Ooh, yeah that's kind of yeah fun. and i think and and you know when i think about your experiences in in travel it feels like a lot of it is marked by and characterized by play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and how you know we're americans who we're known for working long hours we're known for a form of play that's just tawdry, I would say, you know, the yeah, yeah. the ridiculous, shallow kind of play. And, you know, this isn't to throw our culture under the bus. There's some good things about it, I guess. But you and I have both experienced in different cultures the way play can happen that almost feels like it's woven into the fabric of how they think about life. Like, did you ever yeah. see or I think we talked about this when we were in Italy. And how there would be signs on on storefronts that just said, like, stores closed for two weeks because we're on vacation. Yes. You know? Right. And we laughed about that. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Like, how do you stay in business? But this village clearly understands, oh, they're going to go visit, you know, their relatives in this other village and it'll be fine. We'll make do, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember. Totally. totally. Go ahead. No, I was going to say there's a, there was a guy on that trip to, do you remember the leather worker? Yes. I, you the, had a good conversation it, with him. I was in another store and I came in at the very end, but yeah. Yeah. It was such a good conversation. And he was just saying, you know, um, 
that that we are sort of as Americans that we're always focused on productivity, and and that he takes the time to handcraft all of his little leather goods in his shop and to sell them to tourists when they come in or to sell them to local people when they come in. And he um, creates enough to provide for himself and that's enough. Mm-hmm. And he was enough. He was fine with that. And, and just saying how um, getting back to the analog practices of, of everyday creation and not trying to scale and not trying to digitize everything and not trying to get your name splashed all over great big buildings, um, how that actually was very freeing to him. Mm-hmm. And it was a totally different way of seeing the world. It really is a game changer. If you can start thinking about the act of doing things itself as a form of play. Um, there's that one psychologist, I'm going to completely butcher his name. So I almost don't even want to try. He's got like 17 syllables in his last name, but he's the one that talks about flow. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yep. So that's kind of what comes to mind here is this leather worker really embodied the idea of flow. He got lost in his art and craft. Yes, he made money doing it, but I'm sure he would make things out of leather even if he didn't sell them because yeah. he enjoyed it. And so I think when us adults are thinking about our day, you know, a long to-do list, we've got kids to feed how on earth can I add something just for the fun of it? There is something to be said about that. Like if you, if we truly are not finding any time within a week to just do something for the fun of it, we should reprioritize. But what might it look like to make the things we have to do anyway more playful? You know, like yeah, a, yeah. approaching cooking as a form of play or a, yeah. approaching even like interacting with each other as a form of play. Not that it needs to be silly and immature, but you know, like what you and Amber say going on walks. We we went on a date last night, Kyle and I, and I noticed we noticed on our way home walking back, we did not talk about the kids and we didn't talk about mm-hmm. we didn't talk about our upcoming trip to visit family or house repairs, all these things that we do need to talk about, but we just had fun and it was really yeah. great and we needed that cuz we don't do that enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so and and when I think about the notion of leisure and play and doing things, you know, with our spouse just to do them that don't have a practical effect. I mean, a lot of these things, I think a lot of times feel very um, Western, you know, like, oh, you're so, you know, whatever that you can play and you can spend time with leisure. Um, but one of my favorite stories that I've ever been told is about, play. Um, It's a very dangerous form of play. We'll talk about that. But it comes from a context where, you know, survival matters, um, where, you know, it it was a context that did not have a lot of money. Um, It was in Ethiopia. It was in um, a particular region in Ethiopia that uh, is, is populated by camel herders. This is what they do. They herd camels. And if you know anything about herding camels, it's very difficult work. It's not easy. Um, it is a deserted region called Afar, and there's not a whole lot of water there. I mean, you have to walk a long way to get water. Mm. So day in and day out is filled with, um, you know, you wake up early, you walk to the well, you get enough water for your family, you carry the camels to the watering station, you take them back. I mean, it is hard, hard living. When I was with a guy in the Afar region named Garrett, and I just said, man, this is such a harsh environment, harsh conditions. Um, do you guys ever have fun? Like, is there ever a time for you to have fun? And he just started laughing and he said, oh, yeah, we we play a lot. 
And I said, oh, well, what do you what do you play? What does that look like? And he said, oh, we have all kinds of sports. Um, but the best sport that we're known for is a game called ball. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> how do you play ball? And he said, now, I don't know if this is true or not, because never saw anyone play ball. But this was a story he told. You would take a, a group of rags or, you know, something that's like a makeshift ball about the size of a tennis ball. And you run around. There are goals on either side, kind of like soccer. And you roll, you run around and you bounce it on the top of your hand. So if you can imagine running while you're bouncing a, a, a rag ball on top of your hand, you can't hold it. If you hold it, it's a violation, you know, and you get a free shot. And um, and then, you know, you, you try to bounce it in the air and slap it into the goal. And I said, oh, that's a really fascinating game. I said, what are all the rules? And he said, well, other than the bouncing rule, you have to bounce it on your hand. There are no rules <laughs> except one. And I said, oh, what's the one rule? And he said, if there's a kill, there can be no retaliation. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, and I was like, oh, a kill, like a kill shot, yeah. you know, like you like in volleyball or whatever, like a spike. Right. And he was like, no, a kill. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, around the ball courts. There are these these thorny bushes that I stepped on one, by the way, went straight through my shoe and into my foot. I mean, these things are like iron, man. And he was like, if you're playing ball and you block somebody and they fall into the thorn bush and they die, uh, the the, your tribe cannot their tribe cannot retaliate against your tribe. Like there's no retribution for playing ball. And so I said, do you ever play ball, Garrett? And he said, no, 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 it's way too dangerous (laughs) for me. Um, but the, and, and we, we laugh, we had a good laugh about it. And my guess is that not too many people die playing ball, but the point that he was making is like, even in these harsh conditions, even in these places where like, you know, it, it's not leisure, it's not privileged, it's not, you know, money laden, they still take the time to go out and have fun and to do things that take their minds off the harshness of their reality. And, and I think that's a really a really beautiful thing. And if, if uh, a, a culture that, that struggles to survive in the desert needs play, how much more do we need play? For sure. I mean, we as humans are hardwired to not work all the time. And if we keep trying to work all the time, it's not going to bode well for us. And I mean, first of all, that game actually, except for the kill part, sounds fun. Like it sounds like a totally. good street game, you know? Um, yep. And when I think of the way we are as kids, you know, what we said at the top of the show that you don't have to teach a kid to play. It's just ingrained in us as humans. It's hardwired for us to learn through play when we are younger, that at some point, the the necessities of life and responsibilities come, you know, work their way out of us to where we have forgotten how to play. It kind of reminds me of a, remember that movie in the early 90s, Hook with Robin Williams? Yes, <laughs> yeah. How he's forgotten how to play. Um And so to me, it looks a bit like that. Like we just simply as adults in this Western world need to learn how to reclaim play. We need to learn what it looks like to play ball in our life um, just for the heck of it. Not because it's continuing education or because it's going to be a side hustle, but just for fun. Um, Okay. So we've talked about walks with our spouses and families. We've talked about date nights. What else? And we've talked about working out or just doing that thing that might seem like work to someone else, but is fun to you. What else would you say qualifies as fun if someone's listening and thinking that all sounds great, but I can't even think of an idea? Yeah, there is a spiritual director here in town and she's created this amazing 
curriculum. It's called IPP uh, and it's for ignition prayer practices. It's a really good curriculum in that curriculum. She has um, included coloring sheets as a form of meditative prayer, Hmm. which I kind of poo pooed. I'm not going to lie. Right. I was like, I'm not going to color these sheets. (laughs) This is frivolous. We're praying, you know, is the whole thing. Right. Um, But I had a friend who joined me for IPP and he mentioned that taking the time out of even the prayer practices to to methodically color these um, uh, pictures as a form of, of meditation actually really freed up his mind Mm. to get away from the day-to-day chores, the everyday part of living, the stresses with his family, the stresses with his finances. Um, It actually just really freed his mind to enjoy himself and to enjoy the moment. So, uh, you know, and I think that's probably a a big part of why, um, you know, those adult coloring books were such a big deal Mm -hmm. a few years back. Mm -hmm. You know, people would pick them up and they would just spend hours coloring and it was a form of adult play It is, um, yeah. to do these coloring books. You know, I, I never got into that. Um, but I think that's an idea. Um, I think, you know, things like, uh, fly fishing, mm-hmm. things like, um, you know, going on a hike, trail running, things like learning how to do origami just for the heck of it, just cause it's weird and fun to fold square pieces of paper. Um, I have a, a friend right now who is watching uh, Lego Masters on Netflix. Is yep. that what it's called? Lego uh-huh. Masters? Uh-huh. And she's saying her whole family's gotten back in uh, to building Legos, adults and all. That's um, fun. So, I mean, I think that there's something to that too, right? Just like sitting down as an adult and saying, I'm going to create a fun Lego set or a model or whatever. It has no value to my life <laughs> other than... It's just fun. Right. So I think there are hundreds of, uh, of ideas there. And I think a lot of it just mean takes stopping long enough to go back and say, how do I get in touch with my childhood self? Mm-hmm. What are the things I like to do as a child? And how can I do those again? That's actually going to be the main uh, takeaway I was going to say is whenever you feel stuck, actually stop and think about what did I like to do for fun as a kid? And legitimately ask yourself, what does that look like as an adult? So if you did like to color in a coloring book, perhaps that looks like taking a water coloring class now. That doesn't mean like you were always some kind of Picasso and you never tapped into that. That's not, that's thinking too hard about this. Uh, but consider what is maybe in your core DNA a form of fun and what would that look like now? Like if you were a tree climber and spent all summer long outside barefoot, that maybe your adult self does look like going on more hikes, you know, going, finding a natural body of water and getting out there. Um, if you played sports a lot as a kid, perhaps that looks like finding some community, you know, a running club or a, what do you call that? Um, intramural kind of team yeah. of some sort, you know, yeah. um, and just, Figure out maybe what the child in you would look like as an adult now. I, I've heard this really great bit of advice that says the only person, the only two people you should aim to impress are your five-year-old self and your 85-year-old self. So you're thinking about who you were as a kid, as well as who, you know, near the end of your life looking back. And that might be something to tap into, you know, like what, what, how do you want to impress your five-year-old self here? Um, So I I say this to myself more than anyone, not because I have 
mastered this topic at all. Like I've said, I have a hard time giving myself permission to just play. Um, I've actually thought about, you know, since we're about to go on a, a, a work break, um, what does it look like? If I, what would it look like if I gave myself permission to do one, like if I were to make a list of things that I think are fun, one small to medium thing for fun a month, and then like one bigger thing a year, you know, whether that's a vacation or not, but just some form of fun that has the only end in its, it's only reason for doing it is the end in itself. Um, Perhaps just making that you know, for those of us who are, I, I wouldn't call myself checklist minded, but maybe I am more than I want to admit. And that makes me feel at least like, okay, I am adding more fun to my life. So take it or leave yeah. it if you're of that, of that uh, fabric as well. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great idea. And that's one of the things that I found the older I get, the more I like the same kinds of play that I liked when I was five. And in fact, last year I climbed a tree really just because I hadn't done it in a long time. And I thought, I wonder if this is as much fun as it was when I was five. And you know what? It was. Did it hurt though? (laughs) No, it was great. I just, it was nice outside. It was kind of cool. It was COVID. So I wasn't seeing anybody. I wasn't threatened of anybody driving by or seeing me climbing (laughs) a tree at six o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And I went and climbed a tree with my kids and it was a lot of fun. So I mean, I highly encourage tree climbing, um, but also, like you said, I think that's really smart. Like, what are the things that you liked when you were five? And then how do those things evolve as we get older? Because things do evolve, yeah. you know, life does evolve, you know, if, and, and again, like if you liked making paper airplanes as a kid, maybe that looks like building models mm-hmm. or maybe that looks like origami or maybe that looks like sketching and drawing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those things can bring a lot of life if we take the time to do it. And and really play doesn't have to take a lot of time. Yeah, that's true. It, it can be five minutes. It can be five minutes. It needs to be just tucked into our days to, it's a mindset more than anything. And I feel like if you're stuck on an idea, you really can't think of anything. My go-to when I'm working on my list of things for fun is going to a coffee shop with a book and not a device. So yeah. To me, like the permission just to read a book for fun, you know, maybe I'm not even bringing a pencil or a highlighter to, you know, mark in it. I'm just reading it for fun. And I can't be on my phone or computer even if I wanted to. And I'm talking 30 minutes, not long, but just sitting with a book for the heck of it. So maybe that's someone's default um, fun if you truly can't think of anything else. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I like it. All right. Well, um, I think this is a good segue into the things adding more beauty to our life. So, Seth, uh, what maybe is adding beauty, fun of some form to your life these days? So we at, at church, um, and I, I know you know that I go to adoration, but I go to adoration once a week. And for those of you who may not know what adoration is, it's essentially a prayer hour where you go and you sit before a consecrated host and you pray. Um, but outside of our little adoration chapel, there's a library. And so you can pick up a book if you want to do some spiritual reading or, or whatever. And there was a copy of selected passages from Teresa of Avila's interior castle, um, which I've read before, but I don't think I was in a space to fully appreciate it. Um, 
And there are a variety of reasons why I am in a space to appreciate it more now. Um, but I picked it up and it just really framed up perfectly with some things I've been thinking about, about freedom. Um, so we had a, a moment a few weeks ago where our priest said, you know, we all have freedom and we've been given freedom to choose, uh, you know, life or freedom to choose death. And essentially every choice in your life falls into one of those two categories. Are you choosing death? Or are you choosing life? Um, and as I'm reading interior castle again, I'm realizing that that's really all she's saying. Mm. All she's saying is the life of prayer is really about the, the life of choosing, uh, life, um, and choosing to enter deeper into life, um, and choosing to sort of walk away from death. And as you get closer into the interior castle of your heart, that's what you find. So it's, it's bringing a lot of clarity to me right now. And it's, I mean, honestly, she's just a great writer. Um, and just the segues where she'll like write little sentences to the nuns in her house or whatever. It's just really funny to me. Um, and she's a little self-effacing and very bold. And I don't know, it just, it's really hitting me where I am right now. Hmm. That's cool. That's been on my TBR list for a long time. Have not yet read it. So, yeah, I think for me, the, the, fact that it's the selected passages has actually made it a little bit easier and there's a little bit of commentary in it. And so it, it, it makes it a little bit of an easier read. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why it's meeting me where I am too. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. After so what is one? Yeah. I mean, look it up. It's great stuff. Yeah. What is one thing that is bringing a little bit of truth, beauty, or goodness to your life, watching, reading, listening to, or whatever, maybe <laughs> none of the above, maybe tasting. Oh, that would be a good category. Okay, this is not really, if we're talking about fun here, play, I should say, if we're talking about play, really, truly being sacramental, because it leads us to the beauty, goodness and truth of life. This fits in that category. This is not purely about something true or good. It's just for fun, really. Um, this is a book. It's a collection of short stories that I read with my subscribers in June. So those of you listening, you already know what I'm going to talk about. It is a book called An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. So it's this little bitty pocket. It's a tiny book. You can read it in one sitting, maybe two. Um, it's a collection of five stories. It's from Sweden and translated. And it is hysterical because it is about an old lady who is also a serial killer. But she, what? it's so funny. And that's what it, the title means. So if you look at even the uh, cover is hilarious. It's cross stitch, but uh you know, with skulls and needles and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's so dark, but weird and Scandinavian. And, you know, it was just right what I needed in June. I needed to read something that was just for fun and just silly. So I think she, the woman's name is Maud. I think she might be a sociopath. Um, but the writer? No, no, the, the, no, the, oh, the protagonist, okay. the elderly lady. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. So it's about this woman who is single, long been single has no um, family at all still alive. And she just lives in this apartment rent free because she inherited it with her dad and there was, or from her dad and there was some weird clause. So she basically hardly has to make any money and all the money she inherited, she gets to travel. And so she basically offs people that annoy her or that she would consider um, immoral. So it kind of has that Dexter quality, like you're, She's going after the the abusive husband upstairs or 
the guy who's trying to rob her of her, uh, you know, art collection. So she maybe could justify it, but it's anyway, it's so weird and dark and funny and well-written too. It's just fun. So if you're in the mood for five short stories that read like a novella, because it's all the same character and the same concept, I would recommend picking it up. It's really fun. So it's an elderly lady is up to no good by Helene Turston. So, <laughs> all right. That sounds great. I kind of want to read it now. Yeah. Not lie. There you go. Okay. Well, it's time to wrap this up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a friend.com. If you like what we're bringing to your week, you know what I'm going to ask. You can help us keep uh, bringing this podcast to your earbuds by picking up a round of drinks. The show is free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to make. So at the cost of a cup of coffee or a pint, you can help us keep the lights on around here. So you can find the link for how to do this in the show notes of this episode or at a drinkwithafriend.com. And thank you very much in advance. You can find me and all my work, especially my newsletter and books at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.com. All right. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenwriter and Caroline Tassels, our transcriber and assistant extraordinaire. I'm Tish Oxenwriter with Seth Haynes, and we will be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.